If you know me at all, you know that debt is my bread mm -hmm. and danger my butter. Oh, no, danger's my bread and death is my butter. No, no, wait. Danger's my bread. Death, no, death. No, I'm sorry. Death is my... Death and danger are my various breads and, and various butters. Mm -hmm. So we need to get into this. Uh, I think we've been stalling for quite a long time, but my own personal affliction. Morning song? Yeah, the morning song affliction. Yeah. Uh, it's, there's really no way to introduce it, or, or I think there's no setup for it. Mm -hmm. I have a series of unusual, unique afflictions, and this is on, in that category, but... Um, wait, wait, what, 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 was the, what was the adjective you used before afflictions? Unusual? Unique? Unique? Oh, I thought you said... I thought you were pronouncing niche as neek. I was going to really make funny for that. <laughs> neek as niche. I don't know. Or no. niche as neek. Unique. Okay, got it. That's a word. That's a word. Unique. Confirmed. Okay. Fact, fact check. Instant fact check. fact check. Yep. Every morning when I wake up, I have a different song in my head. Okay. And very rarely is it actually explicitly or directly tied to like a song that I would have heard recently, which would explain why. Yeah. Like as if I had been singing it in my sleep all night. Sure. And I have no way to, to understand where the songs come from. As an example, my the the last few weeks, my morning song was the theme from uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which and, because you binged it, yeah, because I binged it, and so that's and, that follows, it, it, yeah, exactly. So that that's not what you're talking about, right? So yeah. for example, um, my my kids who are uh, a teenager and almost a teenager never watched Barney, the the Purple Dinosaur show. Nope. Good, never well, watched it. Hey, well done as a parent. Um, but for some reason, I still have the Barney brushing your teeth song in my head, which I don't know why I would know it. So why would that be a song that's in my head when I wake up one morning, 12 years after my kids didn't even watch it? Do you believe in past lives? Apparently so. No. That's, I think. That goes along with the other one, which was Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. Did you, now did you watch that with your kids? That ha I have seen that, so it wasn't as far-fetched. But again, why a 10-year delay? I don't know. See, I, I wrote to you, I got, I got a bigger delay. I wrote to, I texted you this morning about this. The song that happened to be in my I keep head. keep track of these. I know, you've got a book. The song that happened to be in my head was By the Light of the Silvery Moon. Now, just so we know, can you just play a clip of that? I think it's public domain at this point. Who sings that? Oh, I don't know. Well, you have to search for it, but, but, but I, I would say play it here. Okay. Well, I mean, so that that, that came off well. That's an oldie, right? That yeah, was very. As, you as could tell just, it was as very we old. We just heard, and and usually those songs of that era sort of creep me out because they remind me of The Shining. Uh, but but it was in my head for some reason. So I think, like you're talking about songs from ten years ago. I'm talking about uh, I don't know what's that song from like a hundred years ago. I have no idea. I think it probably is. I got songs. I got. Uh, well, some of them are explainable. Okay. Like Safety Dance, because we talked about Safety Dance. Sure, sure. Some of them actually, you can go back to the old episodes and you don't know why the song was the one on the episode. Yeah. Because it was a morning song that preceded it. And so then I just, then I used it. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I got songs like, uh, I got, I'll get Katy Perry in my head. Wow. I'll get uh, Led Zeppelin. That's okay. I'll get a lot of 80s songs. 
Okay. Which I think that's not that surprising. Yeah. Sort of formative years. Now, do you listen to Top 40? I don't on purpose. And you don't, you you walk to work. You don't, you don't drive to work mostly. Yeah. And I'm probably listening to podcasts if I do that. Yeah. Or songs that um, I, that I always listen to. So yeah. I'm not like, I don't know where the Top 40 stuff. Kids yeah. call it, that's school bus music. So oh, if we're in the car and, the, and we're turning the radio station, it gets on like a really bad station. Yeah. And they hear pop songs. Apparently that's the station they play on the school bus. We don't, we don't turn the radio on the car anymore. It's really just plugging the iPod in and listening to whatever's on that. Yeah. We do that very rarely. Yeah. No. I uh, had Peebo Bryson mm-hmm. was a morning song a couple days ago. Okay. Um, who else? When I said safety dance, we did Thomas the Tank Engine, Barney, brushing your teeth and have so much fun. You never let the water run. No, no. You never let the water run. Oh, I like that. It's a little guide. Although in the in the Northeast, if we let the water run a little bit, is that is that the worst thing in the world? We yeah, got lots of water here. Don't develop habits. Okay. So let's. So yeah, let, conserve water in the Northeast, even though between you and me, we have a lot of water. Yeah, I mean, you, right. Don't be a glutton just because it's, it's there. That's true. That's true. Okay, this is episode 70 of Very Spreads and Butters. I'm Simon Tonov. With me is no one because I'm in Denmark. Hi, <laughs> Denmark. But at uh, in Easton, Pennsylvania, at Lafayette College, we have uh, Ben Brickhouse-Cohen. Uh, in the studio, we have the original Renan Sequitur-Denser. Renan, uh, now that you're graduated, um, I guess we should call you Mr. Is that the correct? Mr. Mr. I'd prefer is that, doctor. Is that a thing? Is that I don't know. Bachelor, actually? Yeah, Bachelor. <laughs> bachelor, bachelor, bachelor Renan. Back in studio. Um, with us from the Department of Economics at Lafayette College, from the Department of Economics at Carleton College, is Johnny J. Laughs Lafke. Is that a good nickname for you? Has anybody uh, ever called you Johnny? You're the least Johnny-seeming Jonathan. So actually, my, uh, my dad's legal name is Johnny. <laughs> so I've, Johnny Laughs. I've, I've managed to avoid it all my life. <laughs> Until now, it would never occur to me to call you Johnny, but I like it. Why don't you? Why don't you start having your colleagues call you Johnny Laughs? I'll, I'll I'll take that under under advisement, and I'll probably, in fact, I'll certainly decide against it. But I will consider it for a while first. Right. And then is he writing that down so I, I can actually believe he will take that under advisement yeah. and is going to make a note for later? We have a whiteboard. He's going to take a picture of it afterwards. Oh, good, good. <laughs> and I do want the listeners to know that we are having it both ways because uh, Jonathan actually is a friend of ours who moved from Lafayette and is now living in Minneapolis and teaching at Carleton College. But by tricks of the radio, we were able to get him on mic to make it seem like he was here. At the same time, Simon is here and not in Denmark, because this is late July, of course, mm-hmm. and not in the middle of June. This of course, is super trippy for everybody. It being late July, I haven't actually started teaching yet, but I'm getting ready <coughs> to start teaching. What with it now being late July? And yeah, but you got, the office to your, you got the keys to your new office. How, how is it? Oh, it, great. Really, I, I have the big paint, improvement. Yeah, and the paint job's wonderful. You know what the biggest thing for me is the flying cars. They really just ramped up production of those in early July, early to mid-July, and now, you know, they're here. They I were, didn't think we would see them for a long time. Yeah, and we were arguing all this time about the self-driving cars, and that was the stepping stone that we needed exactly. to get them to fly. We, a couple of weeks really doesn't seem like a lot of lead time, but they'd really, they really did well. Well, I think the other big important thing is we do have Renan in studio, Mm-hmm. Yeah, an alumna, uh, alumni of the show. Wait, is it of the alum- show. Which one's correct? I don't. Is it alum, alumnus, alumnus alumni? I believe. It's alumnus. You're, he's an alumnus of the show. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some of you might remember from from episodes one through sixty five, something like that. He's now graduated, so he can devote all of his time looking for the lost episodes. Uh-huh. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. Um, a, Michelle is is uh, back in the city for the summer, getting standing online for Hamilton tickets. We assume. I forget where we were. You already you already introduced everybody. I think I did. Yeah, episode yeah. seven, and and and, and we we've, we've also established that. I think this is sort of a well, this back. is a this is a Schrodinger's podcast in the sense of I'm both in Easton and in Denmark and Jonathan's both in Easton and in and Minnesota right now. Mm-hmm. Ben, you're definitely in Easton. Yes, I am. Yeah. You are unchanging, unflappable. That's where you are. Right. Steady as a rock. All right. So um we have a guest. Jonathan, Hi. you must be thrilled to be here. I've I've <laughs> I've waited uh, days for this opportunity. Well, we've already said this on past episodes that the, the the often facetious tone leads some people to think that some of the comments we make aren't serious, but it is demonstrably true that um, you would be a natural guest for every single episode. Like every conversation we have is just an episode of this show preceding even, even during the reign of the Lost episodes, of which you were on several times. But um, that kind of launched the whole ethos of it. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll take this as a compliment. Well, because it doesn't, uh, Renan, you made a comment to me once that you came into my office and we started talking about something. And um, what did you say? It was, um, it's, it's, it's nice where you, you just start right into it. There's no, uh, mm-hmm. there's no setup or planning. There's no like agenda, like what should we talk about today? Mm-hmm. And uh, I have that same feeling like with Jonathan, every time it's just, there's no planning, but uh, you can definitely hold a conversation for many hours. Also, uh, we had to have an economist on the show. Um <laughs> For a we while. haven't had one yet. No, because no. we, we always thought, Jonathan, we always thought you'd be on. And it, so, it took this long. I'm here now. So we can do some of the basic questions, such as, what do you do? What do I do? You're an economist. We already spilled yep. the beans on that. So I'm, uh, well, I, I, want, I want to ask a different question. You are a behavioral economist. How is that not a psychologist? Go. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. Uh, I think that, uh, I think of behavioral economics as really being the usual economic model, but where you're you're willing to you're willing to incorporate other assumptions. You're willing to sort of soften some of the assumptions of the usual models. Other people take the perspective that it's economics plus psychology. I don't reject that necessarily. I just don't think it's it's completely necessary. Are you satisfied, Simon? I just wanted to be provocative. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know psychologists are great people to talk to because then they give you uh, interesting ideas for how to build better models. But they're not the only people you, you you can talk to. So let's say for the sake of argument that I still don't really know what a behavioral economics economist does. Yep. Could for you, the sake of argument, hypothetically speaking. Hypoth- yeah. Uh, add some more here. Like, what kind of research do you do? What's a research project for you? So most of my research is actually on internet rating systems. Right. So I I focus on like why do people give five star ratings on Amazon. And I mostly use something, so at least roughly, a, a behavioral economic model to describe this behavior. But I'm really most interested in, in rating systems, you know, regardless of the, the model or the data or the, the technique. Yeah, what would it have been if you, if you had done this before the internet? I like no Michelin idea. stars or? Um, yeah, I mean, so, so in fact, you couldn't really do it properly before the internet because what I really focus on is consumer-based ratings. So mm-hmm. really something like Yelp or Amazon, or, you yeah. know, so where you're paid nothing, you receive no direct benefit, it takes you very little time, but other, other people may really benefit from those ratings, yeah. right? So, so you go on, you know, you go to a new town, you look for a good restaurant, you use Yelp to figure out which restaurants, you know, maybe you don't trust it unequivocally, but you use Yelp to figure out which restaurants might be good. Well, the question is, you know, should you trust Yelp at all? 
you trust it a lot. Should you? They're I, definitely better than nothing. Are there any Yelp reviews of, of the show? Did you look them up before you agreed to be on? I, I, I didn't look them up. I'm sorry. How do you now interact when you buy things online since you study it, but you're probably also a, an actual consumer yourself? How, does it take you longer? Are you more, in, uh, are you quicker, like more surgical? You can weed through, or do you not even read these ratings? No, I, I do read them. Yeah, I've, I've thought about this actually how I'm, I'm probably not as much different as you might expect, right? You'd think that having spent years and years thinking about this, I'd have some radically different approach. And I think I, I apply a lot of the same loose heuristics most people do. Um, you know, a product that has, you know, 600 five-star ratings and nothing else is probably pretty good. A product that has, you know, 30 two-star ratings is probably pretty bad. I think that one, one of the big things I take away fr- from it is that trying to find the, you know, that fine gradation. What is three and a half stars versus four stars when there are 20 ratings each? Um, who knows, right? That's, right. that's, that's down to noise basically. Do you know, like I think about this with, uh, I, I would probably pay attention to the star rating more with books than with other things. You know, that sometimes I forget that was kind of Amazon's original thing, but uh, a higher percentage number than I would have thought rate the books on their consumer customer experience at Amazon. They're yeah. not rating the book. Can't, can't Amazon kind of figure out how to, part, to push those aside or? So this is actually, this is, uh, this is a question I, I do not know the answer to. I've, I've actually been wondering about for a while. I have a project on it, a very incomplete project on it. Um, you know, so, so there are lots of ratings where you'll see, for instance, you know, the, this it was a fabulous book. I loved it. It's well-written. Um, UPS dropped the box and the cover got torn one star, right? Yeah. Which is clearly just a complete mistake on the part of the, of the rater. But you could, in some sense, argue, you know, if, if, if the rater actually thinks they're rating their overall experience, maybe you as another consumer don't realize that UPS might drop the box and damage the cover. And maybe that's actually useful information or obviously maybe not. Maybe you just want to know about the product itself. You know, there are even problems of books, for instance, right? So, so maybe I could say, okay, this book was full of typos. That clearly is not a good thing. No one likes that. Maybe instead, uh, this was a, you know, this was a, a thriller. I don't like thrillers. One star. Could be the best mm. written thriller around, but I'm just sharing my personal opinion about how good thrillers are in general. Right. That's probably not very helpful. Okay. But still, yeah. I was being completely honest. I was saying, here's, here was my experience with this book. I've right. got an example. Friend, friend of the show, past guest, Joshua Sanborn has a book out called Imperial Apocalypse. And uh, he's got a two-star rating from MT944 on Amazon as of April 10th, 2015. The font on this book is too small to read and cannot be adjusted on the Kindle. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good example. I've told Josh to use bigger fonts now when (laughs) he writes his books. When he goes up for promotion, he's going to have to defend that font choice. Absolutely. Now, Jonathan, so so you're currently at Carleton College. Before mm-hmm. that, you were at Lafayette College. Mm-hmm. Where were you before Lafayette College? Tell right. us. Let, let's go. Let's move backwards through your through your experience. I, I was in in Pittsburgh before this. I was at the University of Pittsburgh, Perfect. My, my PhD in economics. Mm-hmm. And uh, the year before that, I was in Sweden, having a sort of a, a gap year. I guess technically a study abroad year. Were um, you were you a bartender there at all at any time? I, I I was in fact a bartender there for for much of the time. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. How was that? <laughs> Uh, it was it was different from my other experiences. That's for sure. It was it was mm-hmm. not so much like uh, grad school, not so much like being a professor. Do you know how to make a hot toddy? Uh, I should, but I don't. What was your favorite drink to make? You know, honestly, my favorite drink, and this is really boring, is just a beer. There's something incredibly satisfying about pouring a beer. You know, did, pouring it really well, getting just the right head on it, just just the perfectly poured. Did beers. you have that little piece of wood? Did you ever scrape the? I never, I never I, scraped. No, I didn't. It was, it was a, a good experience to have. It was definitely a, a major departure from everything else I've done. I thought Denmark was pretty great too. Thanks. 
Uh, you're welcome. This is going to help our foreign listenership. Absolutely. So I mean, we can we can go back another step or two because I know that there is there is a hippie homeschooled upbringing that's worth <laughs> noting. That's that's definitely accurate. Yeah, I was I was homeschooled, uh, homeschooled until I was fourteen, and then I went to uh, to community college after that, and then I transferred to the University of Oregon. Did you find in your homeschooling experience that there's a the bifurcation in homeschoolers like? The one homeschooler is like the progressive hippie kind, and the other is the religious fundamental kind? Absolutely. No, it was always, um, so a lot of places actually will stay open during weekday, uh, early afternoon, specifically for homeschoolers. So uh, movie theaters, roller skating rinks, that sort of thing. And we'd, we'd go to these events, you know, I had, I don't know, probably a dozen, maybe 20 other homeschoolers I had a sort of loose uh, friend circle with. And we, we'd go to these events and it was really kind of like sharks and jets or something. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was really kind of absurd. You could tell exactly who was homeschooled right. for what reasons. Well, it's kind of hard. I, it's hard for me to avoid the image. Uh, you say, this is Oregon, you're hippie parents, you're homeschooled. I have to think in my mind, you're wearing like denim overalls, but with one <laughs> clasp undone and you don't have a shirt under it and you don't have shoes on, but you're like drawing diagrams in the dirt, like you're doing the Pythagorean theorem with a stick. Because is that what's happening? I smell incense too. Uh, yeah, more more incense, right. less less uh, less overalls. I'd say um, more like more more uh, just lack of fashion sense than than really utilitarian clothes. You know, uh, sweatpants. Sweatpants <laughs> were real, real popular. What was the mascot for your homeschool sports teams? The 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 non-existent homeschool sp- sports teams. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to go with the the tree frog. Maybe I'm, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. That's well, pretty good. Fighting tree frogs. Fighting tree frogs. Yeah. <laughs> Let me return us to uh, the the uh, point at hand. You are, are going to try to sell me a dollar. <laughs> Jonathan's going to sell us a dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so r- real simple. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so how does this work? So I'll sell. I'm going to think of it in terms of a loony. So I'll, it's, <laughs> it's an, a, an American one dollar bill. Okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll sell it to the highest bidder. The three of you are the bidders, and there's just one quirk to the rules. You have to, the, the, the top two highest bidders at the end of, of the auction, everyone has stopped bidding. So we'll do, do, we'll do progressive bidding, right? So this is like an open, like an art, art house auction, right? Um, and, and at the end, when, when everyone has stopped bidding, no one wants to bid anymore, the people who have submitted the two highest bids have to both pay their bids. How well, interesting. It's a profit deal. Wait, okay. then who gets the... Whoever bids the highest gets the dollar. But the top two people have to pay their bids. So the, the person who bid the second highest bid has to pay and gets nothing. And this dollar is worth a dollar. That, well, I, I guess yeah. I'm, I'll leave that to you to determine the exact value. But I, I think most people would probably say it's worth approximately one, one U.S. dollar. Yeah. Can so, we use prices right rules? And I would just bet a dollar. Well, but it's a progressive auction, right? You can keep bidding uh-huh. over and over again. So is it like, is it more than just, I got a bunch of pennies sitting around that aren't worth anything to me. So I'll. I'll give you a dollar and I got these pennies because I want your dollar. So I'll pay you more than a dollar for your dollar. So yeah, there could be some convenience, something like that. Yeah, I, I want to get rid of all my pennies, sure. But in this instance, let's assume I, I'll accept PayPal from you so we don't have to worry with it. All right. Don't worry about any change. Is, 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 uh, is this a prisoner's dilemma type scenario where we need to, uh, the three of us need to get on the same page with this? Well, there's only one way to really find out now, isn't there? There is. So I'll, I'll give you a penny for it. Okay, one penny. Do I hear two? Two pennies. Uh, I'm going to say 49 cents. 49 cents? Simon at 49 cents? 50 cents? 50? Oh, well, let's just go up to 95. <laughs> 95 cents. 
Oh, well then I want to go. Wait, no, Renan, you were, you were the last. Wait, was Renan the last bidder? No, you're not incentivized he, he to go up. He was at 50. Yeah, I put it up. I'm going to pay 95 cents for this dollar. So, so Renan, you should bet 96 cents. So you're not just paying 49 cents or 51 cents for nothing. Well, Simon, you could, you could bid 96 and you'd pay 96 cents for a whole dollar. Sounds like no, I'll pay 96 good. cents. Okay. Wait, if I go up, I'm like, if, even if Simon had right. not said 96 cents, I don't have any incentive to go up anymore. Sure you do. You could bid 97 cents and you get could a still dollar. get that dollar for less than a dollar. Mm, true. You'd win it. You'd so if I say 99 now. Yep. And everybody says 99. So are, are you, you win. are you saying 99? Okay. Okay, 99 cents. So what what's it, what do people do here? So you can, well, is it done? Let me change well, it to a dollar. Say, I could say it. I well. So so my problem now is that if if Renan wins, I'm on the hook for paying ninety six cents for essentially nothing. Is that correct? That would be a kind of a pessimistic way of viewing it. I feel like you got a good experience out of it, but, but yeah, pretty much. So, but now now do you want to bid <laughs> more than game. do you want to bid more than a dollar because then you'll at least get something out of it instead of wasting ninety eight cents. You only lost <laughs> two cents. I don't know. I would. I mean. I mean. I sort of want to bet a dollar so that so that I'm the highest bidder and have a chance to win and essentially win like have no loss to me. But then, if um, if someone bids after me, if someone bids a dollar one, then again, I'm huh. I'm actually down a dollar. I'm building. I'm bidding a dollar one. I'm still in it. I just bid a dollar one. So here's the situation. So what are the bids, Jonathan? So Where are we at? The thing will end when the second person bids a dollar. Well, no, because if, if they want, they could bid even higher. They, they, so it ends when no one's willing to submit a higher bid. Yeah, and you're making at least two times the profit. Where are we right now? So I think you're you're in the lead, Ben, I'm with a dollar one. one. And I actually don't remember, was it 96 cents it, to Simon? No, I think I think I said I think I said a dollar, didn't I? You said, yeah. Okay, you said a dollar. So those okay. are the two highest bids. Uh, and Renan, what did you say? You said ninety-six cents. Ninety-nine or oh. one, something like that. So we're at a dollar one, a dollar and ninety-nine cents. So Simon, so, you if it ended now, you would just lose a dollar. Exactly. I and would. You would, I would lose would, a penny. You, you would lose a penny. And nothing would happen to Renan. Yeah, that's Renan right. would be the best off. So you're the one who's got to make the move. I know. Simon? So I want to do a dollar two. Dollar two. Dollar two. Now, to now, I'm, now, now I'm trying not to lose money instead of uh, trying to gain money. So by this point, though, why why would Renan? do anything more he might as well just watch us play well maybe he likes being involved <laughs> <laughs> does like what if there's a lot if there's more than three people doing this how quickly does it get to this point pretty quickly you get down to just two people and it's people see see clearly like i'm, I'm bowing out because i see that it's those two right people take the renown position ron you can still bid a dollar too and that would kind of screw us over <laughs> then we would have to but then i would then well one of the other person would get out and i would still lose but you'd like only I be said, right. Yeah, right now, Renan, you're in the best position because you're actually not going to lose anything. Like you, you start the game how you started. You know, you end the game how you started, which mm -hmm. is with yeah. But where's the fun in that? Like you're only where's you're only fun? losing, <laughs> but you'd only lose two cents if you bid a dollar too, and you'd put me and Simon in an awkward position. And so well, the, if, the benefit would be selling a million dollars. What if what if I offered to go to the grocery store with you as well? Oh, that's See, a, that's, that's a, a callback. Oh, it I don't like that's part of the game. Now tell us what the game is is showing. Well, well, we're not. This game is not over. Don't don't really? try to, to to duck out there. All right. So Simon, you lost a dollar because it sounds like you're giving up. I was at a dollar one. I'm done. Oh, you're done. I lost now a penny. I, I, I want to pay a dollar to hear what the what the conclusion from this game is. That's pretty cheap for his time. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. So what, one of the 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 simplest things that illustrates there there are 
So there, there are a bunch of different lessons you can get out of this. Um, the, the main one I like to, to, to take away, and I have, I'll often do this early on in, in a class, is, um, is just that people, people really make mistakes, right? So this is actually something that, at least in, in principle, was foreseeable, right? that you should have foreseen that if you get into this game, you were probably going to lose money. And yet mm-hmm. time and time again, people, you know, you get a, a room full of 30 people and over and over and over again, you can make money off of that, that crowd of, of people. Now, only once, once they see it, maybe they won't do it a second time. Um, but it's just a nice illustration that, that people really will make mistakes, even in, in very simple environments. I mean, I guess you could argue if you really think this is simple or not, but the rules were not that complicated yeah. and yet people will get, will get trapped by them over and over again. Plus it's kind of fun. How hard do you think it'd be to get to uh, to get a, a celebrity to come guest teach a lecture in one of your classes? Just like cold call them, right? Send them an email, tweet at them, whatever. I think it's celebrity. I think it depends very much so on your tone. I think you need one. I think it has to be a degree of separation. Oh, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So, so totally cold called. One degree, maybe sure, but I'm talking about. So, mm. so think about it. So, on the one hand, celebrities are you know they're inundated with people bugging them all the time. They have a million opportunities. They've done everything. They have infinite wealth, etc. Fine. But one thing that they can't just do is right, find true happiness. Is exactly find true happiness. Um, no, but you know, one thing they can't do is. <laughs> have you tried to call a celebrity to have them teach your class? No, I haven't. That's what I'm saying. I've, I've wondered <coughs> about it for years and years. Do you I, think that's more or less likely in Minneapolis? Uh, probably just lower density of celebrities, right? Well, you lost a big one. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a shame. I know. Yeah. I, I could have. I could have tried for Prince, but that that's that ship has sailed. Mm. Bob Dylan? Moment of silence. Garrison Keillor. So retired. what would you write to your cold call? I mean, I think, I don't know, but probably something very straightforward. Like, hey, you want to come, you know, teach a intro to economics class? The interesting thing is, for example, um, mm-hmm. uh, past show, Stephen Roderick did the opposite, where he was the celebrity and he ca- cold called the class saying, hey, I would like to, you know, if, yeah, I'm a resource. Right. Good, good memory. And, and they at Occidental College, and they, they never answered. They, yeah, they yeah. never answered. They thought he was going to steal their class. Exactly. People, some people have d- bad communication skills and bad um, opportunity judging skills. Mm-hmm. Also, like this celeb, like it, you never know. Maybe the celebrity is preparing for this, you know, professorship role in you know some future film where they're considering, and right. you know, it could be a great opportunity for them. But you don't know that because you know you don't have the latest uh, Hollywood's. Um, Gossip. I scoop. think I think James Franco is your best bet. I feel like he or could be pretty good. Clooney. Yeah. Clooney. Well, yeah. and the other thing is you don't don't necessarily have to be targeted about it. I mean, maybe that's a I don't know slightly less honest, but you could, you could send five hundred emails. Oh yeah. Right, and they all basically look the same, and they'll say, "Hey, want to come teach?" And what's the you know is there a one in five hundred chance that a random celebrity wants to uh, come I, guest teacher? I, I, like, I feel like you should be more picky in your celebrities. I think, know. yeah, but I think that's more like a one in 2,000 chance. I don't think 500 no, would do it. I think it's more than, less than 500. You would get a response in 50. Yeah, yeah they're probably okay, not so, that many celebrities. So, so let's, let's play this out and, and suddenly, Renan, are you like, a, like Richard Simmons responds and he's going to teach your economics class. Is that, is that really what you want to do? Is well, that really so, so, a place you want to be? I mean, p- potentially, I'm saying, so you'd only send it to celebrities you actually did want to interact with, but... Yeah. And, no, and, and I'm, I'm sort of judging that Richard Simmons is not somebody you want to interact with, but that could be wrong. I don't know. I think it's, I, I think it's also like if you teach in New York City. Kardashian family. 
If you teach in, in like Southern California, if you teach in, in, in New York, if you teach in Boston. Right. They could come over. Those seem like, yeah, like they could do it. Like if they don't have to arrange a weekend or spend a flight to get somewhere, like who's going to come out to Eastern Pennsylvania? It's a quick drive from New York City. That's right. Philadelphia. The answer is anybody. But so it's uh, Pennsylvania. Our door is always open. When I say <laughs> when I say people I go to school in Pennsylvania, they hear it as if it's like Pennsylvania. Yeah, but you have to say you have to say I go to school in Pennsylvania, practically New Jersey, in the same breath. <laughs> and when you say practically New Jersey, then that's that's where people start to understand. Well, but I think if you say the Pennsylvania thing, they say I go to school in Pennsylvania, it's just north of Philly. They're going to know that's not the Pennsylvania version of Pennsylvania. That's mm. also true. I say uh, east of New York City and don't really get into details. West but of then, New York then you're, so in, I mean, you're in the ocean. <laughs> back to these boats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the Atlantic Ocean. Yes. Then do you want to continue uh, in this line of, or do you want to start your quiz? Uh, yes. Um, I thought we would try two quizzes. Okay. The first is, now that you are in Minnesota, you're in Minneapolis. Right. Been here for a month. Yep. And it's, it's lovely. And I'm sure you've seen many of the lakes of Minnesota. Yep. I'm going to go down the list of the lakes and you just tell me if you know them. Wait, how many lakes are there in Minnesota? There are six, I think. 21,871. Oh man. So they call it the land of 10,000 lakes and that's an underestimate. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be a lot. Okay. But well, there's, I guess I, some of these, there's like, um, I'm interested that there's Lake Alice, which is mm -hmm. in Hubbard County, but there's also a Lake Alice in Lake County. Which I like that there's a lake county. It's, okay. it's like Carbon County in Bethlehem, which I just realized that it's named after coal, which is carbon. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lake Anne, Carver County. Lake Anne, Kennebec. Lake Anne, <laughs> Hope County. Lake Anne, Sherburne. No, this is just it's Lake Augusta. Fish in Chisago County. Lake Fish in Hennepin. Lake Fish in Jackson. There are three lake fishes in Ontario County. There's a lake girl, Lake Horseshoe and Stearns. Lake Spring, Lake Swan. Lake Washington, Lake White Elk. Lake Zephyr, <laughs> Lake Zimmer Pond. Am I Lake supposed Zimmy, to stop you at some point? Lake or? Zoo. Um, and Jonathan, the quiz was, what's the last one? <laughs> Lake Zumbra. You didn't yeah. know that? D did, I, did I win? Well, how many of those did you get? I think all of them. We'll go back and play the tape again. Yeah. Um, the, so we do have a quiz today, which is board games. Ooh, I've heard uh, of them. Are these real board games or not? Jonathan is a, a skilled... Board game enthusiast. A board game enthusiast, a skilled... Energetic it's, one, a knowledgeable board gamer. Yeah. Board games, are these real or not? Number one, bonkers. Real. real. No, that's a candy. Is it? I'm going to say real. I'm going to say not real. Jonathan? I'm going real. Oh, it's real. And it's, but it's also a candy. It's also a candy, but it's a game. I had it. We should think about doing this in order. Renan, you can go first, and then Simon, and then Jonathan. Okay. Uh, so the next one is chutzpah. <laughs> not real. Uh, I'm going to say not real. I want it to be real, but I'm saying not real as well. Oh, it is real. Oh, Where's no Michelle? I, I'm hoping that Michelle can chime in on this when she comes back. It uh, was like the uh, the uh, 
Jewish version of Monopoly. No way. Chutzpah. <laughs> we played it. There was a kidney-shaped pool, I think. At one point, you could buy a kidney-shaped pool. That's nice. And then you'd have to pay for a fine because your your pet dog, Fifi, goes wee-wee on the carpet. And like, <laughs> If you landed on that square, it was like, pay $100. What, what were the wow. properties? I don't know. I, don't, I just remember the penalties. Lots of places in Florida. Like a kidney-shaped pool was a property like you could buy. So it wasn't just like a street residence. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, the next one. Pandemic. Oh, yes. Oh, that's a, that's definitely that's definitely a real one. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to go I yes keep doing on, this. on this one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that was a yes. Um, WMD. WMD. Not real. I've never heard of it. Well, it stands for Weapons of Mass Destruction or WebMD. I'm going to say either way, it's not real. WebMD would be a really, really fun game. You know what? That would be pretty fun. I'm just starting to think now they've, they've, they've all been, well, I'm going to go real. It's not real. Ah, but, uh, but what do, can, can anybody in the audience remember what Pandemic and WMD do have in common? They're both street uh, names for drugs in, in The Wire. Oh, oh wow, really? That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good catch there. Yeah, I thought so. That's, huh. that's a meaningful connection. Really? We're building meaning here. All right, yeah. next one. Bored to death. <laughs> that, that's every, every board game I play. Well, really, I thought you would be a very... Um, Why? Board game what, me person. What about me would, would, would say that I'm a board game player? I think the comic, love of comics, kind of gives it away. Okay, maybe. I think but there's no, a correlation. I'm, I think you just I'm want to call this episode Bored to Death. Ooh, I like that. Name. I'm going to say not real. You know, I'm going to say real. The the wordplay is just too good. I'll go not real. It's not real, but it is an HBO show. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, how about the next one is uh, Knifey Spoonie. <laughs> that sounds dirty. <laughs> Renan, what do you think? No. Uh, knifey Spoonie. You answered so quickly, Renan. I said it no, sounds- because I think it's a better suit for an HBO show. <laughs> I know, it's just it like, sounds- I'm just, you're making me think you're like, you have like a encyclopedic knowledge of board games. <laughs> It sounds like a game you might play in prison. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. Then I'll go yes. Also, that's a no. Oh. where are the Simpson fans? When Bart goes to Australia when we need it. Oh yeah, knifey spoony. Yeah, they do the crocodile Dundee thing. Where <laughs> I'm remembering that. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. I think uh, you're probably not gonna get the next one. The next game, Trump. Trump. The board game. The board game. Was wasn't friend of the show past guest poor summary guys selling? They were selling something Trump related. I don't think they were selling anything. I think they were just talking about it. They, had they have their ad. Trump. They have a trumped up segment. Good, uh, good shout out though. Yeah, yeah. shout out. Hey. Um, hey, Justin. Hey, Mike. I'm gonna cut that. I don't want them to know that you, that you're friendly with them. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I'm gonna say no to this um, question. I'm gonna say yes. I believe he did have a board game. I'm with Simon again. I'm, I don't know if it's actually about. Donald Trump, but there's got to be a game called Trump. There, yes, there is a game called Trump, and it was uh, it was like a real estate kind of game. Mm. I don't know how close to Monopoly it was, but um, I I remember playing it like as a kid. We had it, so it was actually about him. Yeah, it had his picture on the front, hmm. big gold letters, Trump. Yeah, I have a question. I'm, su- I'm surprised you didn't uh, include the game Cones of Dunshire. <laughs> is that real or or not real? No, not real. Are you sure? How many TV shows can you reference in one list? I don't know. I'm sure. Do you think Monopoly is still interesting at this age where there's an optimal solution? Or do you think there's no optimal solution? When was the last time you played Monopoly, Ben? Uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah? But you have a kid. Yeah. Two kids. Yep. Did you win? Um, 
I did not win last time. Did you finish the game? Yeah, we always finish. Really? Yeah. Wait, finished by by throwing the game board up in the air and saying, screw this, and uh, stomping out of the room? You all know we've talked about this on air before. Well, we Monopoly is a game of great fun, and I can't understand people who don't know how to play it in a fun way. I don't know what people are talking about when they say it takes forever, never ends. The beauty of Monopoly, at least when we play it, is all in the house rules. Oh, you uh, have a neighborhood association. I now remember. Okay. If you get a good set of house rules going, it's a really good game. And I think the thing that I was surprised about last time was that people don't adopt house rules to make it fun. They just sit there and kind of commiserate on how they're not enjoying it. Anyways, the answer is yes, Monopoly is a game. Thank you. Good. Uh, the Vanilla Ice Wrap Game. You're all thinking, could he have made that up? Or was or did they actually make that game? If he had a breakfast cereal, then I would say definitely yes, a board game. If he didn't have a breakfast cereal, I'm still saying yes, he had a board game. Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to say that's a tell. Like if you mm. if you have the board at the breakfast cereal, yeah, I just want this one to be true too much. I just I, I have to say yes. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes too. Oh yes, it's yes. Oh, do do you have a copy? No, but I've seen a copy. I you, bet they would be expensive. I think it comes like with a little uh like a microphone, and you had to like sing or do something. <laughs> Maybe you had to make up rhymes. Oh. What about what about chameleon air? Are you a chameleon that gets money? <laughs> I'm not telling you. I know. Uh, I'm 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 gonna go no on this one. Uh, I'm gonna say no as well. I'm gonna say yes. It's a no. Oh, Renan, come on, Chameleon Air. That's that's ludicrous. <laughs> what about Messy Marv? Like, no. isn't it? Doesn't he like? Don't you have to like collect a certain amount of tokens before he <laughs> sneezes or something like that? No, no. I'm just going through bad rap names. I looked up. Bad okay. <laughs> after Vanilla Ice, and I think a link took me to like <laughs> the worst rap names. Do you research on Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> That's the best. Chameleonaire, Messy Marv, Mr. Cheeks. Oh we're, we've got a skeleton crew here. If we had all our interns with us, they could tell you in a second um, what the answer to that was. So they could also prompt you to uh, ask the question that you've been dying to ask the whole oh, show. I, I almost forgot. Simon, do you, do you have a question you'd like to ask? I do have a question for you, Jonathan. So I'm going to give you a choice. Two days. You have to pick which is your favorite day. Mm -hmm. Is it Friday or is it Sunday? You know, I, I I realize you just want an answer, but I have to ask a, a clarification. Sure, go ahead. Because I've I you know as a as a, an avid fan friend of the show, I've I've listened, of course, to all seventy of your episodes many times. Absolutely. Sure, sure. And I always wonder: Do you mean for the experience of actually being in that day, or of how I currently perceive those days? Because I feel like I might um, actually have different answers. That's a good question. I'm thinking your experience in that day. Uh, I, I have to say I'm, I'm a Friday person. You're a Friday person. Yep. So Friday, you're, you, know, you, you go into the office, whatever, but you're feeling pretty good. Sunday, there's that sort of queasy feeling that Monday's coming the next day. Is that, is that a pretty good way to describe it? Yeah, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a, a German phrase. I'm, I'm, my German is atrocious. I'll butcher it completely. Mm -hmm. Torschloss panic. It means uh, gate-closing panic. Mm. It uh, applies to lots of different things. I think I was told it originally came from the end of a of a soccer match. You know, if you're down, you're down. I don't know, two to one. As the seconds tick away, you know the opportunity is 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 diminishing. Right? There's mm -hmm. no obviously. It's when the game is finally over that's truly gone. But you get more and more anxious, thinking that you you have this missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. Apparently, you can apply it to other things as well. So. Maybe as people as people age and they they think that their you know, life opportunities are gradually diminishing because well they've just spent more of their lives doing one one particular job for instance. 
This um, podcast got dark real quick. Anyway, I feel like Sunday is just full of Torschloss pa- panic, right? Mm-hmm. That you have this this sense of of all the things you didn't get done over the weekend, of all the lost opportunities. Friday is just unlimited opportunity. Yeah, as soon as the magical world of Disney comes on, you know that you're pretty much done with the weekend. Yeah. What are your feelings on black licorice? Salt licorice. Salt. Well, what about? Oh, you like salt licorice? So you're you're in Denmark, right? Yes, I am. So, and people have been trying to trying to get me to try the salt licorice. I was in Denmark, and when I was there, people were trying to get me to try the salt licorice, and I may have actually tried it. What kind of salt licorice did you try? Black. Did it have a shape to it? I don't know. It was probably Danish salt licorice. Why don't you tell me what I probably should have tried when I was there? I'm not. I'm not saying necessarily should, but okay. so so generally speaking, like German salt licorice is a little less salty. It's a little less intense. Mm-hmm. And then, as I understand, loosely speaking, the further north you go, the more intense it becomes. Mm. With the slight deviation being that I think Finnish salt licorice is even, even more intense. Wow. So is this a yes or a no to the black licorice question? So it's a yes. It is a yes. So you're more of a Sunday person then. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that. Can I ask something? Yeah, please go. Which of these do you prefer, New York or LA? Me? Yeah. Uh, that, uh, New York. Yeah. Well, why? Well... There's no one single easy answer, but I think the light in LA is it's a little too blinding for me. Simon, have you ever answered this? Yeah, I'm New York. What about you, Renan? I'm going to rank them. Okay, New York. I would prefer other places in California over New York, though. Like Northern California areas, for example, um, would be more preferable. Well, preferable. you know, and we would also prefer Saturday, but that's not part of the question. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. There you go. Also, I mean, I guess the same is true for New York, but. LA is a pretty big place with a whole lot of variety to it, right? Yeah. No, just the one. (laughs) Yeah, that's true of both of them. Two weeks ago, I was in downstate New York, and I took this exit of the highway. What do I see? I see the Subway World Headquarters, and guess what the um, road that that is on called? Jared Street. It's called Subway. Uh, Isn't that cool? It's very clever. That, That is amazing. (laughs) <laughs> that is amazing. Next time I'm in downstate New York, I'm gonna really drive around and look for that kind of stuff. They they have a they have a um. Is that a phrase? Has anybody ever used that phrase? So, nope, so here's I, the phrase. I, but I've started using it though. Where does upstate New York start? Right above New York City. Yeah, like Yonkers. Okay, what oh, I do it is eighty second Street. Maybe. If it's above Albany ish areas. No, that's not New Yorkers. Anything that's not New York City is upstate. But people disagree, right? We have friends in the Hudson River Worcester Valley County. I don't know. I, I've always been confused by this. I mean, I can't, I'm not speaking assertively to it. I'm just saying that anybody that I've ever spoken to has made it clear to me that uh, anything north of New York City was upstate. So is um, that Sculpture Park? Yeah, that's upstate. Mm. Storm King. According, I'm, I do not say this from personal experience, just as testimony from others. Because like Binghamton is almost right on the border but uh, of Pennsylvania, but that's upstate. Who would be the authority on this? New Yorkers or non-New Yorkers? Well, I think there's disagreement between those from New York City and those from the rest of the state. But I like the tone of the question, though. Who would non-New Yorkers be better suited to answer it? The New Yorkers themselves are too close. That's true. Like That's I a s- good question. I say downstate New York because CGP Gray says that. Oh. Yeah. Well, if CGP Gray um, wants to tell us where upstate New York and downstate New York, um, sort of the border is, then he can email us at 
berryspreadsandbutters at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at some later date, or you can follow us on Facebook and comment in one of the various comment sections there. This all seems very likely. I think, I think be, that'll probably happen. Can anybody else do those things? You know what? All of our listeners can. They can also send us uh, mail at care of Lafayette, Lafayette College, care of WJRH, or call us at one six one zero three three zero wjrh They can't do that. Uh, they they still haven't changed the phone number to either WJRH or 1049, but um, we're in the process of doing that. Uh, don't call. Just uh, don't text. Just email us, twi- tweet us, or Facebook us. At, at, what, at what point did that phone number thing really start to bother you? It's 5316, uh, by the way. I know, but why would it be that? Why can't we change it to 1049? No one has 1049 at this point. If you tell me who to call for that, Ghost, I don't know who's Ghostbusters. <laughs> That seems like the that seems like the rational response. It, it just came out. I would like to say, call us at six one zero three three zero WJRH. Who's gonna who, who calls a podcast? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just that I can say that. <laughs> and by the way, we take requests too. I, I, I actually have a I have a re- request. Yeah. Well, to, well, yeah. Okay. I I, I want my dollar. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I think we can close the show. Headphones off. Headphones off. Ben, what's your um, favorite board game? And why are we not playing it right now? I, I Oper- really, Operation? I'm going to have I really enjoy Monopoly. Monopoly is probably my favorite game. Does that mean it's the wrong answer? Does this sound? No, Operation. When, when, yeah, yeah, operation. When you get... Bzzzt. Mine is Mystery Date. What's it's my that? favorite oh, game. Why is Jen laughing? <laughs> wow, this microphone picks up everything. <laughs> <laughs> heard her slurping her Vietnamese noodles before. <laughs> You gotta edit that out. Is that an actual game, Mystery Date? Yeah, Mystery Date is, is right? an actual game. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. What do you do, Jonathan? Can you confirm? I, I'm I'm positive it was. I don't I don't remember the details, but it was from the '60s, '70s. Yeah, something like that. Every girl wants to be on our Mystery Date. I think Who's it was, it it was like a. It was actually like a logical de- de- deduction game, right? Like your your date has like brown hair and blue eyes and wears a, a, a green shirt and. <laughs> Who's your date? I think it was, think it was more like Mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mousetrap used to be my favorite game. Yeah. yeah oh, mine too. That it's was pretty, just, It's a pretty cool game. Because I never had it, so it was always at certain people's houses. Just the and same, yeah. It was so great if you could go to their house because you know you could get that Mousetrap out and play it. Which, yeah. which, uh, which is remains true to this day because several years ago we had friends over and their son was like uh, maybe four and we have a Mousetrap now. Like kids have it. In a literal mousetrap to catch mice. <laughs> it's like is rat poison. Is that? <laughs> he had the game, and and this uh, the my friend's son. They spent he spent all afternoon having my kids set up the game, and then mm-hmm. just watch the 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 thing drop on the on the mouse, and then set it up and do it again, and set it up and do it again. They were exhausted because he was so fascinated with this game, and now so we've seen him since then. And every time he asks about. Mousetrap, when, he, when can I come over and play Mousetrap? Hmm. I will say as a public service announcement, there are many more efficient ways to catch rodents than dropping a bowling ball in a bathtub. Um, <laughs> they, they sell traps at Home Depot. Um, you know, so I think that's probably the way to go.